Blaine Bench. There's all kinds of excitement going on there. Scores! Roll the highlight reel. Six to nothing flame. is Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg and Aaron Vickers on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, under the underway this hour from the Calgary Firearms Center just south of Calgary here in DeWinton for the 7th Annual Brian Burke's Targets for Kids, all in support of Kids Sport Calgary. Welcome to this hour and welcome to the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe, Calgary's trusted locksmith for emergency unlocks and more. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com. We'll tell you a little bit more about the Brian Burke's Targets for Kids as we continue along on this Tuesday, July 11th. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast with Aaron Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg. Mr. Vickers, how are you? I'm not doing too bad. This is uh, quite the event. My first time out here, and I'm super curious to see how this celebrity, Annie Oakley, plays out. Uh, usually, uh, former uh, Canadian uh, Paralympian athlete, uh, Chris Cedars, yes. sledge hockey superstar, and perhaps uh, 0% body fat, Chris Cedarstrand usually wins this. So we'll see if that ends up being the case. Um, Want to dive in on one of the big questions of the offseason. Want to dive in on what we're going to see from Jacob Markstrom next year and what the Flames are going to get from their number one goaltender next year. Because after the best season of his career in 21-22, where he was a Vesna Trophy runner-up, Vesna Trophy finalist, followed that up last season with the worst season of his career in 2022-23, starting career anyway. Yes. Um, it, was, it was quite the swing. It was a massive swing from one to the next. So do we think that Jacob is poised for a bounce back season this year with the Flames. I know there are some who believe yes and some who believe no. This was uh, General Manager Craig Conroy when he joined the big show on Monday morning, uh, which is available wherever you get your podcasts right now. And uh, he talked a little bit about Jacob Markstrom and his thoughts going into this coming season. Talked to him three days ago, and I'm very excited the way he talked to me. He is, you know what I mean, is focused, dialed in, and you know, every day he said, when I train, I think about this year, Connie, and we're going to, you know, it was, it was a bad year. Like we all feel it. He even said it. Hey, it's not, that's unacceptable, but the focus is he has right now and, and what he's doing to get ready for. I mean, I wish camp just talking to him. I wish camp started tomorrow because he seems dialed in and ready to go. He's, he's, uh, he's not very happy with the way the season went and that's great for great for us. So that is definitely optimistic sounding news from the GM. And I, I, and I, I think that anybody who has um, listened to me on this program uh, would, would know this, but I've been very adamant even going back to last season that, yeah, I think he's going to have a bounce back season. I think there's a better chance in my eyes that he will uh, bounce back and have a much better year than the opposite direction. And there's a much better chance that it goes the positive way as opposed to him staying the same or getting worse just based on based on track record based on body of work but i'm curious about you if you see it the same way are you anticipating a bounce back or are you anticipating what we saw last season as as kind of being the beginning of something on the other side well i'm certainly not expecting a 2.92 goals against average and 892 save percentage that he put up over 59 games last season that was a 0.7 jump you gave up over half a goal a game more year over year from his runner-up Vesna Trophy season to last season. 
and his save percentage dropped 0.3. Like, that is substantial swing one way to the other. So when you ask me that question, I'm not going to sit here and go, yeah, he's going to, you know, go 2.25 and a 9.20, which was almost identical to his, you know, season, his career season when he was runner-up for the Vesna. At the same time, I don't see an 892 goals against, or pardon me, 892 save percentage being the product of his body of work in the 23-24 season. And if you take out his high and his low, since he's been a starter, he's averaged 2.72 goals against and a 912 save percentage. If he can bounce back to just his average of a 912 save percentage, that is a substantial increase in terms of what the Calgary Flames are going to get with stability in net, and the Calgary Flames sorely need that. We saw what happened last season when they got subpar goaltending from both Markstrom and Vladar uh, at times. Neither could seem to go on an extended run other than that winning streak that Vladar had, and even then his numbers weren't overwhelming. But if the Calgary Flames can get back to a 9-10, 9-12 save percentage from their goaltending, and, and that'll largely be on Jacob Markstrom, Mm-hmm. Then they'll be in a lot better position than they were last so, year. So, yeah, did you steal my numbers? No, no I went to StatMuse and, and plugged in some season ranges. Do you have the exact figures there? Oh, well, I, I, I did the same thing you did. Okay. I, did. I took out the, the best and the worst. Yeah, two se- like, which makes sense. A, since he's been a full-time NHL starter the last six seasons, his best season and his worst season just happened to be the last two seasons. But before that, so if you take out the, the best and worst, before that he averaged about 50 starts a season, and a 912 save percentage. So that to me is a pretty good indication of what Jacob Markstrom is as a starter, which is why I bristle when people say, "Nope, what we saw last year, that's what he is and that's going to be the beginning of of the end for Jacob. You finally saw the true Jacob." Then what the hell were those four seasons uh in a row where he was starting 50 plus games and was a 912 goalie? Now 912 is not elite. 912 is not Vasilevsky or Lundqvist or or uh Hellebuck or or Sorokin. You know, the best Sorokin, yeah. Shesterkin, this is not the best of the best, but 9-12 over four seasons, averaging 50-plus starts, that'll get the job done, and that, that's a number one, at the very least, that's number one goaltender stuff. So to me, that's why I bristle, and to me, that's why I look at it and say, yeah, there's an established body of work, there's an established resume, and usually when you have a body of work like that, you go back to it when you have a really good season and when you have a really bad season. And, and that's kind of that's why I'm quite confident that, to your point, is he going to bounce back and be a Vesna Trophy finalist next year? Maybe not. But do I think he's going to bounce back and be much better? Yeah, I think he'll be significantly better than he was last year. I think that's only fair. Again, he's not an 892 goalie, and he may be not at 922 goalie with nine shutouts in 63 games. But if he's able to find that groove again, as we mentioned, throw out the high, throw out the low, go with the uh, the middle four seasons, his past four seasons, which landed him the six-year contract with the Calgary Flames, then the Flames will be in an excellent spot to make some noise in the Pacific Division, I think. You know... Yeah. If, I, if I wanted to ask somebody who is really quite confident about it, switch it around this way. Hold on. There we go. Um, somebody who, because we just played the voice a couple of minutes ago, and just look at who we wrangled up here at the Brian Burke's Targets for Kids is the man himself. Craig Conroy joins us right now. Uh, hello. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. Trent just knocked me out. So. Who did? Trent, Trent did? Yeah, yeah. Oh. So. 
Did he make fun of you on the way out? You know, he just shook my hand. He was a good okay. good sport good about sport. beating me. So you you went deep then, hey? Yeah, we're right deep. Nas is still going. I Ooh. see. Nas is like Nas has been there yeah. the entire time, and we had a bird's eye view of him. He was knocking him down. Uh, we were just talking about your goalie. Um, we'll talk about the event at the end. I promise. Okay. Because because you know it's funny that Berkey's here and you're here. I know how big Berkey was to you in in your management career. But uh, we were talking about your goalie. I heard you on with the boys on Monday morning, and you were asked about him. Uh, you're you're feeling pretty good about Jacob going in, uh, into next season, hey? Yeah, he's pretty dialed in. I mean, I talked to him last Friday, and uh, you know we had a great talk, probably 45 minutes, and just you know, hey, he's ready to go this year he's been on the ice skating last year he had a hip injury when he went home and he didn't skate much in the summer so now for him to already be full-on getting going and uh, he's very focused and not happy with the way things went last year so that's a that's a positive thing for the team so uh, t- tell us about like when jacob's not happy with the way he's playing we see it in the media we know we know when he's not happy but what about behind closed doors like Tell us a little bit more about how competitive this guy is and how dialed he's going to be to put last season behind him. Yeah, he puts the weight of the world on his shoulders, and it's still a team game. You know, that's what you try to – that's what I told him even on Friday. I said, it's not not one person wins or loses games. We do it as a team. He says it starts with me, though, Craig, and I wasn't good enough, and I'm not happy. And, you know, every day when I'm going to work out or going on the ice, you know, I think I'm trying to dial myself in to get ready for the season. So, you know, I don't want to – not to do that so i'm like oh good you know i like hearing it like that though his uh his mental game is strong hey he uh and i know that sometimes he can get really down on himself it feels like but it all it feels like as as his time in the nhl has evolved so is his ability to put things behind him the the mental side of his game is is one of the the big strengths to him isn't it well just when you're that competitive you know i think sometimes it can sometimes you can put too much pressure on yourself too so we got to make sure we take a little bit of that pressure off him but we want him to come in feeling good about his game you know right from camp you know whether that's you know he has some ideas instead of just maybe three on o's in practice where he gets he'd like to work in to kind of have some shots where he can get comfortable instead of just getting shelled a little bit early in practice things like that those are little things that i guess as a player we don't think about but as a goalie we need to we need to listen to him and say okay we got to adjust ourselves a little bit and you've got the same you got the same goalie staff coming back siggy's coming back jason's coming back like so there's not going to be a whole lot of change in that regard it'll be the the same familiar faces around him too yeah and you know what i mean one thing uh mark we got to push him harder you know, we want, he wants us to be harder on him. He wants huh. us to push him. So, you know, that's that's something, you know, that's a little bit new, uh, I think, from what he did the first year. But the first year, he was up for the Vesna. Everything was great. Uh, the second year didn't go well. But now, you know, we've kind of figured out what's what's going to be best for him. And he, and he wants to be pushed, you know, hard. He wants to be worked and pushed. And we're like, okay, you know, we, we can do that. You've got the unique perspective of having the player experience and the management experience. So from your career historically, if you had a season you weren't satisfied with, did you mentally want it to stick in the back of your mind when training camp rolled around, or were you of the approach where clean sheet, let's forget about everything that happened in the past? I think I thought about it all summer, but when you're, you know, when you're a little tired and sometimes you're by yourself and you're working out or you're on the ice and you're like, uh, and then you think, I got to do more. I, I had a terrible year. Like you push yourself. I want to be better in the in training camp. I want to have a better testing scores, but and and I want to and then try to put that other season behind you. Everything is clean, but through the whole summer, I used to use it as kind of a driving force. Okay, that wasn't that wasn't a good season. Why was I not 
did I not shoot enough pucks? Did I not do what didn't I do where I need to improve to go in? And then you figure you come in, you have a, if you do well in testing, you feel good on the ice. Usually, hopefully, something good happens in some of those exhibition games. I wanted to play every exhibition game, especially after a, a bad year, mm. because I said, okay, I'm gonna get a, I'm gonna get in as many reps as I can before the season starts. You know, but obviously, you go ask the coach, can I play more games? And no, they they kind of have a system, but they put yeah. me in more maybe than they they would like to at times. Now, from the management perspective, you mentioned that Jacob wants you guys to be harder on him. Do you want him to be remembering that heading into training camp, or do you want him to come in with a fresh sort of sense of mind? Well, no, a French, fresh. So for me, like when we talked even the other day, last year was last year. We want you to come in focus, in great shape, feeling good about your game, but we can't put any negative thoughts in our heads. You know what? This is a new coaching staff's different you know everything we were trying to build that culture on the team and we're trying to have some fun and we want to be competitive and it wants to be you know we're going to see some young guys too and i think young guys in the lineup are going to help kind of bring that excitement and fun around especially in training camp when you know it can drag on a little bit for the guys and they're working their way in these young guys are going to be pushing them right from the start What's uh? We also talked uh, last hour. We talked a lot about Oliver. Um, have you had an opportunity to to speak with him a few times this summer? Yeah, very. He's very excited uh, to be ready. He's ready to come back. You know, I think everything that he went through, he's in a great place, and now he's really get back to like I think he said it. This is what I do. This is what I've always done, and I, I'm going to feel more comfortable coming back and playing this year. And he's and he's been skating already. So, you know, as much as maybe some guys, you know, he didn't play this year. But he's been on the ice a lot longer than our, even our guys, and now hopefully, with the training camp going into it, he'll be he'll be back to normal. So I was I was pushing back a little bit on the whole idea. Well, oh, he's missed a whole season. Like, how is he get? Lots of guys have missed seasons and come back just fine. Especially when you come, he's not coming back mid-season. He's coming back almost even playing field with a full training camp, and and so is everybody else. Which in a lot of ways should mitigate any of the, you know, oh he's got to get back up to speed or he's a, you know, he's a couple of step steps behind. That that probably shouldn't be a concern. That's the way I look at it. You're the guy who played. Am I onto something? Yeah, I mean, if you if you miss training camp. You miss October, November, and then you try to come back in December. The guys are ramped up. Yeah. The guys are—they're feeling it. They're—they're they're timing everything, their execution, what they're trying to do, their conditioning. By by Christmas, it's hard to come back. You know, I think I might have—you've seen it with Nylander when he came back. Yeah. It's not easy to do, but to come back starting fresh, everyone's starting fresh, and you can kind of work your way right back in, and it's more normal and natural, even though even though you missed a year. Um. Did you like that I haven't asked you for an update on anything? Appreciate that. <laughs> Appreciate that. <laughs> you get the same You're a good person. <laughs> You're being nice. Uh, okay. Brian Burke is right over there. He was very – I know he was really instrumental to you. He's got his name on this event, the Brian Burke's Targets for Kids. How, how instrumental was Brian for you as you were getting going in your management career? Because he joined in just a few years into to your tenure, right? Well, it's great. You know, I mean, the one thing, we, we'd go into Ontario, and I think I'm going to stay at a hotel. I ended up staying at his house. Yeah. <laughs> and we drove, you know, we drove to Barrie. We'd go down to, you know, watch the Kingston to watch the Frontenacs play. And, we, and just to be with him and kind of pick his brain. How did you do this? How did you do that? What, what was, you know... What was your philosophy on talking to teams, trades, this, that, the other? He just to kind of go through and hear what he thought, and and you're thinking, okay, that makes sense. Oh, I never thought of that. Or 
you know, and vice versa. I don't like that idea. I don't tell him that. But, you know, there's definitely things you're taking. You're always trying to learn and, and figure out, you know, he, he said the way it worked for him, talking to teams, you know, and, and it just kind of how other, and I've seen other, how Jay did it and then how Brad did it. You know, there's just a different way to do it. It's just how to how to kind of manage your time and make sure, you know, his big thing is you should get out, be with the scouts. Yep. Go with the American yep. League team, maybe on a trip. You know, do all those little things. He just gives you ideas like that all the time. How much did that, uh, you want to be driving the bus, not on the bus, how much did that stick with you as you were working towards being a GM in this league? Yeah, I mean, I think that was a big part of it. I mean, you know, there's a lot of pressure and there's a lot. It all falls on you when you make a decision at the end good or bad it's on you you know but that's that's part of the job and that's the kind of pressure i've always liked as a player you wanted to be out there last minute of the game up a goal right. down a goal those are you know some guys don't want to do that though it's true some guys just are happy to be on the team and in those key moments they're okay to be on the bench someone else can do it it's it's fine with them but that's never been my personality so in this role i think you know good or bad you, you, it's more uh, you definitely feel more stress and maybe a little less sleep but you're tr- always trying to do what's yep. best for the team and the future of the team Nas still going out there or did he get knocked out oh Nas just oh, got knocked just out. we just oh. got found out he got knocked out nice meeting you. um okay okay sounds good we'll see you Thank you. Pretty cool event, hey? It's uh, oh. it's a, it's pretty neat what this thing's grown into, isn't it? it it's amazing. You know what? I mean, I was thinking, like, from the first year we came out, how many teams were there? I would love to see what Rob said. Yeah. But now, I mean, you, you couldn't have another team. It's no. amazing how full it is. It's uh, it's a lot of fun, and you shot okay, hey? Like you did, you you went pretty deep. Yeah. There's Trent. Trent got knocked out right after oh. you. So. Yeah. I mean, it, it's nerve wracking in that. When one of them, Berkey, messed up. He didn't shoot. Then Trent shot next to me, and I heard him shoot, and then I shot, and there was a penalty for that. So I'm like, wait, there's a penalty? So I lose a chip and go back, and uh, I didn't even know. So, yeah, Berkey messed me up on that one. Oh, there he is right there. What, yeah. was, what was more nerve-wracking, doing the shooting or being up there for the live auction? <laughs> it's always a live you auction. You did well in the live you auction. You did well. You did well. It's, it's always a I, You know what? The guys took care of me. Glenmore Audi. They uh, they stepped up. They were my team today, uh, a good group of guys. So I, I was very very lucky, and they stepped up in the auction. That's awesome. We'll let you get back. Thanks for uh, okay. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for having me, guys. You have a great day. You too, Connie. Thanks. thanks. Uh, Craig Conroy is uh, here. He's one of the celebrities. And I'm telling you, this is why you want to come because you get to hobnob with different celebrities. You get to hang out with different celebrities. The Annie Oakley is kind of the main event every year, and uh, I don't know what to. Do. Well, ask Berkey because I didn't see who won it. Um, who won it? Oh, really? Cedarstrand didn't win it this year. Hey, that uh, that is that is actually a change from what we usually see. Oh, okay. Merzen and Lumsden went very neat. Let's uh, let's welcome in the man whose name has been on this event for the last number of years. It is the seventh annual Brian Burke's Targets for Kids. So who ended up who ended up going uh, deep into the uh, into the last round to the Annie Oakley? How other, other than I, you mean? Other than Brian other than Burke? I saw, I saw Brian Burke was out there quite um, a bit, actually. No, the final three was Hank, was uh, Hank Dana Merson, we call him Hank, of course, uh, Jesse Lumsden, and Brady Lehman. Okay. And Brady won. Brady won it this year. So Cedar Strand didn't backed, even make the top no, three. No, they backed way up, too. They were back out like at 25 meters shooting, so good shooting the group. I saw Kadri went deep. Like, he was he went there deep for a while. Out. You you were out there for quite a while. Yep. Like, it's, uh, 
this this event's turned into a pretty uh, a pretty cool tradition, isn't it? You, this is uh, this is pretty cool. I, you've you've been here since the beginning, and to see what it's turned into, it must be pretty neat to keep coming back to this year after year and seeing how it's grown. Well, I think what's cool about it, I agree with that, and I appreciate the kind words. I think what's cool about it is all of the sponsors that were here in year one, after this is the seventh year. I think it was the eighth year, but they said seventh. Say seventh year. Yeah. All the same sponsors are back every year. And many of the same teammates that were in the first one, even though we've added some teams and gotten a little bigger, many of those people have been here from day one. And it's never been rained out yet, so touch wood. Um, no, it's been great. It's a great cause. Kids sport is fantastic. You uh, you keep coming back every summer. Ever since you left the Flames, you've still been coming back, and, and kids sport remains one that is uh, really near and dear to you. I ask you about this every year, but I'll ask you again. How come kids sport is such a, a near and dear one for you? Well, to me, I think it's really important. that uh, It's hard enough for kids to, to make it in sports, to become good competitive athletes. There shouldn't be economic barriers to that. It shouldn't be impossible to play just because you don't have the equipment or the fields or the or the gear. So I think it's really important to say to people who can't afford to put their kids in sports, we'll take care of that for you, and then we'll, we'll see where it goes. We'll find out what happens after that. So I think it's a really important building block in the development of athletes in Canada, and I think it's a really important charity. And Kevin Webster is the guy here that does it all for us. He's amazing. Every every year that I'm here, I always like to stress, like, well, don't come down today because it's it's sold out. Like this is the, the event's already going on. But listen, listen to the celebrities that come on with us. Listen to how much fun is going on in the background, and then go and look at the next year and uh, the the next summer's targets for kids and and that's what i'm saying again today like the eighth annual targets for kids next summer will just get bigger so why why is this such a fun event like how come you talked about all the sponsors coming back and all the teammates coming back how come this is such a fun event well first off it's very competitive and these guys yeah. are all competitive so you're getting into the shooting environment um it's fun shooting shotguns even if you don't like to hunt it's fun to shoot competitively for targets so it's a competitive thing you get in there and it's like a golf tournament that takes 11 or 12 hours, you can do that. We do that in about seven or eight hours. You get a, a great South Street burger. You get food at the end from uh, from our food sponsor. I'm drawing a blank. Uh, uh, the, uh, the barbecue joint. I had it right in front of me, too. Yes, I, I will make sure that we get that at the end. And yeah. so, so it, it, it's you're done in eight hours, and it's shooting. It's fun. So, And it is really fun to watch the Annie Oakley, where the guys compete yeah. with all the celebrities. So there's a triple whammy there where you're doing good, you're having fun, you're doing when I say do, pardon the grammar, you're doing good things. You're not you're doing good. You're doing good things. Um, you're competing. You're so It's very social, so it's great. There's 10 shooting target fields open at any one time, so you can wander around and see your friends and visit and so it's it's just it's got a lot going for it it's easy to pick up too like if if you've never if you've never shot target before they give you the training in advance and it's it's easy to pick up it's pretty intuitive like it's not like if you come here and have never shot before you're you're not going to have fun because it it is a a pretty easy thing to pick up isn't it yeah it is and these guys the alberta educate teacher education association these guys are pros they can teach anyone to shoot safely and, and that's, I think, people realize have to realize shooting can be done safely quite easily if you follow basic rules. They're good at giving you the mechanics of shooting safely, and it's a lifetime passion for a lot of people. Even people who don't hunt 
can learn and enjoy shooting. So um, it's a, a win-win. Weather held up, sun's shining, ser- about to serve dinner, and uh, they they don't serve any beer here until every gun is locked up. Yep. So there's no beer served yet, but it will be soon. Uh, I do have to ask you, how cool is it to see Craig Conroy as a, an NHL GM? That, uh, that's got to be pretty neat for you because we just talked to him about how influential you were for him. So how, how neat is it to see him get that first opportunity? Well, I think he's waited his time and waited his turn and worked for it. Um, I think he's ready. I think he's worked for some really good people going back to when he first worked in uh, for uh Craig, Craig Jay Feaster. Jay Feaster. Yep. Jay Feaster. I love the guy. I can't believe it. I'm getting old. Uh, going back to when he first worked for him, and I think it's at one point Ken King had told me, he said, I really think that Craig Conroy will and should be the GM here. And um, he's worked for some good people, assimilated and learned some things from them, been through a lot of different situations in his job. So I think he's ready for this. I think he's extremely popular, and that's a – it's a huge thing starting off. You know, it's one thing I've never had starting on a job. People like me maybe, but they don't love me. They love Connie. So I remember the first thing I did here, I'd been here a couple of weeks ago, the season ticket holder function. And um, uh, who came out first? I guess I guess it was Jay came out first. Then, then uh, Ken King, really nice applause. I came out, really nice applause. Then Connie came out. And it was like the Pope showed up. <laughs> yeah. It was thunderous applause, and I thought, man, oh, man, I had no idea how well he was like. So it's, uh, I think it's great. I think people in Calgary are excited about it, and uh, I think he'll do a good job. He, uh, he has mentioned many times one of the quotes that you told him was, you know, you, you, it's better to be driving the bus than be on the bus, and, and uh, now he's the guy driving the bus as a GM in the NHL, which is pretty neat. Well, you drive, drive the bus, you get to decide where you stop and where you turn, and it's an awful responsibility. It's uh, a lot of pressure. There's a lot that comes with when it doesn't go well, but I'd much rather be the guy deciding if we're stopping and getting off or someone else telling me to stop. So um, I think Connie is ready for it. I think it's important when you become a GM. I remember when I became a GM, I had worked for Pat Quinn for five years, but been in the agent business for six years before that. So I had 11 years really in the business, including five as a direct report to Pat Quinn, one of the great executives in history. So I felt I was ready when I got my shot in Hartford. And I think that uh, Connie's ready. He's worked for some really good people. He's had good training. I think he's ready. Congratulations. We'll let you go have dinner, let you go uh, continue to mingle, but congratulations on what this event has turned into. It's awesome. Every year I come back, it's that much bigger. The parking lot is that much harder to find a spot. This is, uh, this is really neat. Congratulations on, on what you and Rob have built here. Thank you, and thank you for having the coverage here from you guys at Sportsnet. It's great. Thank you. Happy as always. Thank you, Berkey. Okay. It's Brian Burke. His name is on the event. It is the 7th Annual Brian Burke's Targets for Kids here at the Calgary Firearms Center in DeWinton, and uh, I'm not kidding. This thing has grown so much. I remember the first one. I was like, this is a really cool event, and it was it was well attended, and it is probably more than doubled in attendance, doubled in celebrity attendance, and it has raised more than $150,000 for Kidsport Calgary and Kidsport Southern Alberta in the six years of its existence. That was a pretty cool back-to-back. I, it wasn't planned that way. Conroy just decided to come over and put a headset on. Yeah, just kind of wandered <laughs> over. He was like, hey, what are you guys doing? Like, he, you were in the middle of talking about Markstrom, and I'm like... What are you guys? What are you guys talking about? What's what's going on? 
And it's like, you guys talking about shooting or hockey? I go, well, we were actually talking about your goalie. He's like, oh, yeah, Marky, yeah, he's going to be way better next year. Like, you want to come on? He's like, yeah, sure. I'm, I, pro- I promised him I wouldn't ask him any tough questions. And then from Conroy, we were talking, he was talking about Berkey, then to bring Berkey on to talk about Conroy. Sometimes things just work out well. It's just fantastic. And it, it was funny because Connie's walking over. And I'm like, is he going to sit down? Like, this is completely impromptu. I'm like, I'm trying to ramble on through more sentences, buy him a couple more minutes to get a headset on, and away we go. And then, of course, literally seamless transition from Craig Conroy to Brian Burke, who, of course, is the founder of this amazing event. And there we go. We managed to talk to one of his Craig's former bosses about him. Yeah. Uh, here is the uh, here's the deal. You. Annual Brian Burke's targets for kids because it's dinner time and the uh, the firearms are now all locked safely away. The targets are no longer going up, so you can't be involved in the seventh annual Brian Burke's targets for kids. What you can do is go to kidsportcanada.ca/alberta/calgary. Learn a little bit more about Targets for Kids. Learn a little bit more about where the proceeds all go to. And then start planning and getting your team of four in for next summer's event because this thing just keeps on raising more money. And so it's just going to keep on having more demand. So get your team in for next summer. It is one of the most fun events and most fun afternoons you're going to find. We're going to take a break. Come back with Derek Wills. Uh, we'll uh, continue along from DeWinton. It's uh, Pat and Vickers along with you, and uh, everything's coming at you back from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Worried about radon? They install custom mitigation systems to reduce your risk. To find out more, visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. You're locked on Flames Talk, only on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Continuing along from the Calgary Firearms Center just south of Calgary as the Brian Burke's Targets for Kids event starts to uh, wrap up uh, and uh, continues to roll along, though, as uh, we're into the auction portion of the day. It's Steinberg, Vickers, along with you here at the Calgary Firearms Center. All proceeds of Brian Burke's Targets for Kids, the seventh annual Targets for Kids going to Kids Sport Calgary. Let's say hello to uh, Derek Wills, who joins the program now, the voice of the Calgary Flames, to uh, jump in on a few topics with Steinberg and Aaron Vickers of NHL.com here on this hour of Flames Talk. Hello, Mr. Wills. How are you? Hello, Mr. Steinberg. Hello, Mr. Vickers. Uh, sounds like you guys are having a good time. I couldn't figure out where you were when I first tuned in today. thought you might be on location at the Stampede, but uh, Berkey's in town, is he? He's Bur- we, we just had Berkey on. Uh, we, had, we had a little uh, impromptu back-to-back of Conroy and Berkey that just uh, joined us to talk about all things shooting and all things hockey. It worked out, it worked out pretty well. Sounds good. Uh, great to see Berkey back in town, uh, raising money for uh, a great cause. And you know, even after he left Calgary, he's continued to come back, which is, uh, is pretty cool. For sure, for sure. Um, hey, One of the big topics, Vix and I were talking about this. We asked Craig about this as well. How how confident are we, gents? Wilsey, how confident are you that Jacob Markstrom's got a bounce-back season in him and that we're going to see a much better, much different-looking Brian Burke for next season? Not Brian Burke. uh, Jacob Markstrom for next season. 
Well, you never know what Berkey's going to look like, uh, except for the tie undone around his neck. Uh, but sometimes it looks like he uh, combed his hair with a pork chop. But uh, as far as Jacob Markstrom is concerned, I definitely think he is going to bounce back in some way, shape, or form. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and guarantee that he's going to be a finalist for the Vesna Trophy like he was a couple of years ago. But you know, last year was a tough year for him, and I would say a tough year for Flames goaltenders and I don't think that was all on him and Dan Vladar. It was uh, partly that, but I think partly the way the team played in front of their two goaltenders last season. Didn't give up a lot of shots, but gave up a lot of high-danger chances with the shots they did surrender, and I think that really hurt their save percentage, and you you take a look at the numbers, and they don't look good, and I'm not saying that both goaltenders couldn't have been or shouldn't have been better, but uh, maybe took more heat than they deserved to take last season with the way the team played in front of them and the way they struggled to score goals in uh, some of the games, especially those that Jacob Markstrom started. But I do think that he is a guy who has proven over a number of years that if he's not an elite goaltender, and I think he's right on the cusp of that, even though he didn't look like that for a good chunk of last season, then he's uh, a true number one goaltender in this league. And that's the Jacob Markstrom that I'm expecting to see in the upcoming season, a guy who gives the Flames uh, an opportunity to win almost every time he's between the pipes. And uh, depending on what kind of team he has in front of him, maybe he's in the Vezina Trophy conversation again. Maybe he isn't. But last year, I think it was a tough one for him on the ice. And I I do wonder if some of the stuff that he had to deal with off the ice was one of the reasons why. I mean, uh, him and his partner had uh, their first child. Uh, I don't have any kids myself, but uh, talking to people who do, that can lead to some sleepless nights. And, I'm sure the way he played led to some sleepless nights as well. And, you know, talking to some people who know Jacob uh, even better than we do, uh, he is usually at his best when he's well-rested, and that probably applies to most players. But uh, I'm guessing sleep was probably at a premium for him last season. Hopefully it won't be uh, as big an issue for him moving forward. Yeah, I don't see him as the goaltender who had an 892 save percentage with just one shutout in 59 games last season. And I don't even know if it's necessarily fair to expect him to be the goalie that had a 922 save percentage and nine shutouts in 63 games uh, the year prior when he was a Vesna Trophy candidate. What I do think is that he should be somewhere closer to his career mean. If you throw out the high, you throw out the low. Over the course of the past six seasons, prior to the past two 912 save percentage 272 goals against average i think if the calgary flames can get that sort of goaltending out of he uh dan vladar and if and when we see him dustin wolf then they'll be in a lot better position next season than they were last season we're chatting with Derek wills uh willsy with us here on this hour of flames talk here on sportsnet 960 the fan and wherever you get your podcast wills apologies if you uh it sounds like we're dropping out we're just uh, turning our mics off so that the background noise doesn't drown things out too much um where where are we on so where are we on this off season where are we in terms of what the flames have or haven't accomplished wills it's july 11th they've made the one trade for tyler Toffoli going to new jersey and yegar sharon Govich being the main piece coming back. Uh, where are we on what we've seen so far this offseason? And I guess in saying that, how does that make you feel about what's still to come the next couple of months? Well, for me, guys, it feels like they're in an Elias Lindholm holding pattern here. And we've said yeah. it, we've heard insiders say it, he's kind of the linchpin here. If he decides to stay and sign a long-term deal, 
I really believe the Flames can plug some holes around him. He's their number one centerman. They searched for years and years and years to find a player like him who can play in that spot and, and play that role. And they've, they've got him under contract for another year. But if they can't extend him, they're going to have to trade him, whether that's before the season starts or before the trade deadline. They're going to have to trade him. They can't lose him for nothing like they did Johnny Gaudreau. And I do think that there was a lesson learned for the organization there. So it all depends on what Elias Lindholm decides. And I don't have any inside information, but my feel is if he wasn't open to staying, he would have told the Flames that by now, just like others did. And, you know, they moved Tyler Toffoli, who said he wanted out. Uh, Noah Hannafin said he's not going to sign a long-term extension, so his name's been out there. But you know, as far as I know, Elias Lindholm has not told the Flames that he's not open to staying and signing a long-term extension here in Calgary. So until he makes up his mind, I think really Craig Conroy's in a tough spot. I'm sure he'd like a decision sooner rather than later, but I also understand where he's coming from, not wanting to rush Elias to make a decision. But you know, I think Craig's done a really good job having been put in a, a pretty tough spot with uh, those seven pending UFAs down to six. If you take uh, Tyler Toffoli off that list, although if you take a look at the flames right now, they've actually got nine UFAs uh, that uh, are coming up next summer, but obviously some are more important than others. But until Elias decides what he's going to do, I'm not sure the flames can really decide what direction they're going to go. And do you guys see it the same way? Yeah, they're in an absolute holding pattern right now, and that is not unlike most of the teams in the NHL when you talk about their cap space, basically. The Calgary Flames have about $700,000 or so if you promote Jacob Pelche and Walker Dewar to the main roster, and that leaves three vacant spots uh, on the 23-man roster. There's just not much that they can accomplish given the fact that they don't have any space to work with. So you are waiting for decisions on Elias Lindholm. You are waiting for Noah Hannafin. The only thing that I would say, guys is I still think you can move, regardless of what Lindholm's going to do, I still think you can move Hannafin at any point. But you can only move him if you have the right deal. And, and, and Wilsey, I think if you're the Flames, you have got to set yourself a very, very high price, and you need to stick to that price. You need to... You need to set your target for what you believe you should be getting back for Noah. And if you don't get it, you don't move him. And until you get it, you don't move him. But I think you can you can make that deal. You can pull the trigger on that deal even if you don't have an answer for Lindholm. And the only reason I say that is because he's the one guy that we're very certain, as you said, is is not going to be signing a long-term extension here. And as such, you can you can start to put the wheels in motion in terms of, of what that trade might or might not look like like yeah i agree 100 percent, pat and for me noah hannafin's in a different group than the other pending ufas that we've been talking about for days weeks months and those guys would be michael backland as another one of the flames top three centermen but also i would say chris tanev and nikita zadorov because those are two guys who other teams will want if they become available and the flames if they decide to, to trade those guys, I think they're going to get a pretty good return. But if Elias Lindholm stays, I think it's going to be much more appealing for other guys to stay. You know, I think it's going to be more appealing for Michael Backlund to stay because he's talked about how at this stage of his career, he's 34, about to be 35. 
He wants to be on a team that has an opportunity to contend for a playoff spot or for a Stanley Cup, but he wants to be in a position where he's going to have a chance to win. And if Lindholm leaves, I'm not sure Backlund's going to look at the Flames as a place to do that. And I would say the same about Tanev and Zadorov. So Hannafin's a guy who, even before he told the team that he wasn't open to signing a long-term deal, he was the guy who I thought the Flames might move anyway. Because with Oliver Shillington coming back, I know trading Hannafin, it, it isn't a lateral move. It, it's, it, maybe it will be a lateral move. But I think Hannafin at this stage of his career is still better than Shillington. But I don't think there's a huge drop-off. And I heard you guys talking about that earlier this afternoon. So when I look at the Flames right. and their top five defensemen, that's pretty solid guys. They wouldn't have the depth that they would if they were to hold on to Hannafin and keep everybody else. But if everybody were healthy for a good chunk of the season, I still quite like the Flames on defense. If you've got a pairing of Rasmus Anderson and Mackenzie Weger, and then a pairing of Oliver Shillington and Chris Tanev, which worked really well two years ago, and then you've got Nikita Zadorov and whoever, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good starting point. And if you trade Hannafin, I guess it depends on what you get for him, but if you were to trade a guy right. who's a, a top two or top four defenseman for a top six forward, well, sir, you, you subtract from your defense core, but I think you strengthen your forward group, and maybe you plug the hole left by Tyler Toffoli. So Hannafin, for me, is kind of outside uh, the rest of that group of players. I do think that when the time is right and the deal is right, you can pull the trigger on that trade. But as far as the other guys are concerned, if Lindholm's not back, I think you have to head in the direction of uh, at least a retool. If he is back, I think he can plug around him. And I think he can ice a really competitive team again next season. Okay, so guys, and maybe that's the, the, the last thing that we'll touch on. But, you know, you've got Tyler Toffoli, who was the leading scorer on the Flames last year. He gets traded to New Jersey uh, during draft week. Sharon Golvich and a third-round pick comes back. They use that pick on Siniev at the draft. But who who do we look at and say, who's got the best chance on this roster right now to benefit from having to fully spot open it he he vacates a spot in this lineup who's got the best chance of stepping in and taking advantage of that spot it could be sharon govich could be somebody else i'm just curious as to who you guys look at having a really good chance of making that happen well, I think the easy answer is probably Yegor Chirangovich, just because he kind of got buried in the depth chart with the Devils. Uh, coming off a really good sophomore season, his numbers dropped off in his third season. He's a healthy scratch in the playoffs, but he's going to be given an opportunity to, I think, play a bigger role, uh, probably to play more power play time with the Flames than he was getting with the Devils. And I think he's a guy who could bounce back, and he just turned 25. He should just be entering the prime of his career right now. And as a guy who can play all three forward positions, including right wing, which is where Toffoli was playing, I think there's going to be an opportunity for him to, to get more ice time and to play an increased role with the Flames. The other guy I would throw at you, and I know he's been a, a hot topic for you, Pat, uh, and some stuff that you've written for sportsnet.ca, and you've been talking a lot about him on Flames Talk as well. Dylan Dubé, another forward who can play all three forward positions, okay. who has continued to take steps forward. We know he's going to put in the work during the offseason because he always puts in the work during the offseason. And if he doesn't win fitness testing, he's right near the top. And I think this is a big year for Dylan Dubé to 
show that not only is he a top nine forward, but a top six guy and maybe even a first line player. He can skate. He's got a great shot. Again, he's a player who continues to get better year after year after year. I'm not saying he's going to step in and score 30 goals and record 70 points like Defoley did. But then again, I don't think Defoley's going to do that again. Uh, they call him career years for a reason. But you know, I think Dubé at this stage right. of his career is a guy who continues to get better. And if, if I'm Dubé, I'm excited about an opportunity uh, to get some more power play time and to play a little bit higher up in the lineup, to, to spend some more time in the top six. So for me, guys, it's probably between Sharon Govich and, and maybe to a, an even greater extent, Dubé. I'm going to go a little bit different route, and I agree in the Sharon Govich, but I think that's too yeah, lateral. Are you thinking where I'm thinking? I'm curious what you Well, I'm, I've got two, and I'm going to go with one, okay. and then the, the other one's a you bit of a stretch. Both. So the first one for me is going to be Andrew Mangiapane. He okay. scored 17 goals in 82 games last year after scoring 35 his, his career year. So are you a guy that can score 30 goals, or are you a guy that just happened to score 30 goals? I think... He will get an opportunity, more so in the top six. Maybe he gets a look at the top line right wing position. I like the uh, slotting of Jonathan Huberto on the left side, passing to a left shot right winger. So perhaps that's an avenue for Andrew Mangiapane. The other one I'm going to go, which is a little out of left field, and I'm not even talking about coming in and replacing the 30 goals and 70 points, but the departure of Tyler Toffoli to me opens up a top nine role for Matt Coronado to that's come who, in as a rookie. That's who I'm going Okay, I'll let you carry it from there. Then. Well, the only reason I say so, and, and, and double back on it if you want, but guys, like for me, who on this roster is a right shot right winger? Uh, nobody. Uh, Walker Dewar. Walk, and, and I love Walker Dewar, but I think that Walker's going to be slotted where he's slotted. You, I guess you could say Elias Lindholm, but he's Elias a Lindholm's me, a yeah. center iceman for me, right? So your right shot, right winger, who's not named Walker Dewar, is Matt Coronado if he makes the team. I think he will make the team. I quite I, I quite liked what I saw from him at development camp. Take that with a large grain of salt. Loved him at Worlds. But I did. Thought he was very impressive at the World Championships. He's now got uh, a year under, a game under his belt in the NHL, rather. I, I just, I don't know if it's going to happen, and I fully admit, guys, that it is a lot of pressure to put on guys, yeah. but there is a right shot, right winger that could slide nicely into a top nine role that is very, and a top nine that is very, very much missing a right shot, right wing scoring threat. I have the doors wide open for Matt Coronado. That's an interesting one. I mean, like you just said, Pat, I think that's a lot to ask from a guy who's played in one career Absolutely NHL game to, to jump into a spot where Tyler Toffoli was so good last season. And we said it really from the get-go. And, Pat, remember, there was, uh, I think, probably a small group of fans that were complaining about Toffoli being in Kachuk's old spot. Well, he deserved to be in that yep. spot. He was probably the closest player as far as skill set to Kachuk. And was arguably the most consistent player the Flames had. Uh, I would say their most consistent forward all of the last season. So he deserved to be there. But you know, to ask Coronado to jump into that spot, I think would be a lot to ask. Uh, I'd probably like to see him start on the third line and then maybe work his way up over the course of the year. But you know, two, three years down the road, I could certainly see him being a first-line right-winger for the Flames. And uh, I think that's another good option. I would say a, a less likely option for me. That would certainly be a, a pleasant surprise. But you know, just to, to kind of wrap this conversation up in a bow, one guy who I don't think will be getting uh, time on the right side this season is Jonathan Huberto. So I do think he's going to bounce back as a left that winger. Is, that is fair. Not as a right winger. 
Yep, I, I think that is a very fair, very fair <laughs> comment and a very fair where to uh, to wrap us up. Uh, thanks for joining us, Willsy. Good to catch up with you, my friend. It's been a uh, it's been busy. But it hasn't been as busy of late. Thought it was a good time to just get the lay of the land and uh, get some thoughts from you. Have a good rest of your week, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, eh? Yeah, great chat with you guys. And, Pat, enjoy uh, your much-deserved hiatus because uh, no one works as hard as you. Uh, so uh, take a little time and get some R&R, will you? I will do just that. I promise you. There will be lots of R&R and very little time on Twitter. I promise. Thanks, Wilsey. Okay, bye, guys. It's uh, Derek Wills on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline, 15-time Consumer's Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. For pickup or delivery, call 403-248-3344. As we start to wrap things up this hour on Flames Talk, yes, we've only got a few days left until the Flames Talk summer hiatus, but we're still going hot and heavy until the end of the week. Aaron Vickers is on Twitter at AA Vickers. He's been with us this hour. Our producers this hour have been Taylor and Gary. And special thanks to Azam for uh, on-site producing and making sure everything is good here. We seem to figure out our technical issues, so thanks to Azam as well. That'll wrap us up this hour, and this hour has been the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Save. Calgary's trusted locksmith for emergency unlocks and more. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com.